Steve, this is the 126th Monday Minute episode. Oh, it's like two years-ish? Yeah, I mean, wow. considering we skipped some Mondays. <laughs> and today's a Tuesday. Yeah. And we're in a truck instead of on a Zoom call. Yeah, I like it. Uh, we don't have too many in-person podcasts. No, we don't. And our setup is pretty janky, so we're going to make the audio as good as we can get it. Do what we can. Yeah. So yeah, we're cruising down the highway. Uh, just wrapped up Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City last week. Had a brief pit stop in Boise to recoup slightly. And now we're headed to Portland, Oregon for the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show. Uh, yeah, recording in the truck. This is going to be a late Monday minute. I just wanted to touch base, get a podcast out there, do what we can do. How was uh, on Expo? It was fun. For, uh, you know, obviously it didn't exist in 2021, so going back um, was nice. Just It's fun, you know, because we are online and 99.9% of our sales are online, you don't always get to put faces to names, you know, just repeat customers and stuff like that. So to go to the shows and be able to meet people and and see a lot of old friends, you know, other friends that are in the hunting industry that I haven't seen for a couple of years, um, had a blast. It was a really great show and uh, off to Portland we go for another one. Yeah. There was a lot of good feedback on the podcast, which was great. A lot of good, fun stories from XO yeah. users, which is always fun, hearing how they put the packs to work, uh, showing pictures and all that stuff. So as you said, yeah, after a year off with COVID and essentially not really seeing too many customers face-to-face for a couple of years, it was really fun to get back to it. Definitely looking forward to Portland, hanging out with the born and raised guys. We're kind of in a... Not a shared booth, but a shared backcountry hunting space with them and some other cool companies. So once again, if you guys are hearing this uh, and will be at the show, come say hello for sure. Speaking of born and raised, they just released a video last night uh, from our Kodiak hunts. Uh, primarily filmed by you, actually, Steve. Yeah. So director's credit. I don't know <laughs> if that's in there. My phenomenal camera experience. <laughs> no, that, that was actually me being selfish because I told Cody, I was like, I don't want, like, I'll just run camera the whole time. I, I don't care. I just, I wanted to be very selective on the group of guys we took up there. Because um, I just wanted to be, more than anything, laid back, spending great time with uh, friends. So, yeah. I told him, instead of dragging some camera guy up there that I didn't know, it's like, I'll just run camera for you. And it was fun. I obviously had lots of years of running camera and making DVDs and stuff when we did the Pure Elevation films. And, uh, it was fun to kind of relive that a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, if you podcast listeners have heard us talk about Kodiak in some of the episodes uh, in November of last year, um, you can go see some of that hunt footage. A lot of it in this first episode is of uh, Cody and then you, Steve, each shooting a buck and then gets into day two of the hunt. And so there's much more to come, not only the blacktail hunting, but some of the sea duck hunting that Cody did up there. So I know there's at least going to be two episodes. I'm not sure if there's going to be more coming, but... Uh, again, the first one is up now, and then hit subscribe if you're over there, and that way you'll get notified when those future episodes launch on the Born and Raised channel. Um, let's hit some listener questions while we're doing it. Um, if we get in a car accident, it's because we're at the section of the interstate where there's bighorn sheep <laughs> in Oregon. Might be slightly distracted. Uh, might be slightly distracted. So here's a, this came through a truck-related question, and we're driving through a truck. 
This guy says, maybe I'm overthinking this, but my question is, what do you do with your truck keys while backcountry hunting? Do you give a spare key to a hunting hunting buddy? If you're hunting solo, do you leave a spare set at your truck? If so, where? If you don't take a spare, does this change if you're hunting out of state and don't have someone nearby who can bring you a second set of keys? Um, Never talked about this or thought about on the podcast, but it's definitely a, especially if you're traveling quite a ways from home, could be a concern. Um, I know for both you and I, Steve, both drive F-150s and they have a door keypad, and so it greatly simplifies this question, because <laughs> even at home, all the time, I just lock my keys in my truck, and then you have the electronic keypad to get back in, which has been super reliable. Um, on other trips, like when I've driven with other guys, especially on out-of-state hunts, pack a spare. Obviously, they have those hide-a-key devices. Um, we've also zip-tied keys in certain places that are discreet uh, before we leave the trailhead. I don't know if there's any magic trick to this other than to say, yeah, definitely, uh, I don't want to say take caution, but have some sort of extra key hidden somewhere, uh, especially if you're hunting with a buddy, and maybe, yeah, he carries one and you don't. And at the same time, one related kind of topic that comes to mind is, like I know when we've hunted together, Steve, I always like knowing what your door code is just in case what happens if Steve falls... I don't know, some sort of crazy accident, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, being able to get back to the rig and get back in it, which is helpful. Yeah, I've done, uh, like I said, for quite a few years, I've had an F-150, leave the keys locked in the car. When I had a Tundra, they didn't have that feature. Um, and I think I, back in the day, I, I would take a Ziploc bag and then just go hide the key under a rock like 30 yards away instead mm-hmm. of just sticking it. You know, this, everyone I know, it's like either under the bumper or the wheel well or something like that. Just hide it. But I used to do that, with, uh, put it in a bag and go stick it under a rock. Yeah, lots of ways to do it. Cool. Jumping back to Kodiak, uh, and actually that video, I had a question come in this morning. said, I noticed Steve wearing an Outdoor Vitals puffy jacket on the new Kodiak hunt video from Born and Raised Outdoors. Which puffy jacket is it and what are your thoughts on it? Uh, uh, I'm laughing because I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> is it the Nova UL, I think? Maybe? I think so. Okay, Nova UL. Mark Let's go with that. Um, outdoor Vitals are cool guys. They reached out. Um, I think we were just having a conversation about clothing and gear and packs. And they said, hey, we've got this puffy we're coming out with. Super lightweight. You want to check it out? I said, sure, I'll test it. So I tested it and gave my feedback. It's... Um, it was good. It's great. I don't have any complaints. Um, it's a super lightweight, 11, 12 ounce puffy, and it worked. I don't really have a, um, like, it's not like, you know, it's a pretty basic item in my opinion of a puffy. It's, it just needs to be light and warm, and they definitely achieved both of those. The fit was good. Definitely is something I would check into. Yeah, I just looked it up. It is the Nova UL. Um, it's an 850 fill power. It is a hyper dry, so like a treated down insulation. Um, let's see, 12 ounces yeah. for a men's large. I know one thing that was unique on it. Um, it's is the construction. The construction, yeah. They actually weave the baffles into the fabric instead of them being sewn. So you're a lot less likely to get. Um, 
down coming out of it, poking through holes. Because it doesn't have all the stitch holes. Stitch holes. <coughs> Excuse me. And along with that, um, and their testing, they were getting a lot better, like just kind of water resistance, right? Because you don't have stitch holes for the water to come through. Um, I never personally had it in a whole lot of rain, so it wasn't, you know, an issue. Yeah. Some, it wasn't something I had to test. Another piece from Outdoor Vitals that both of us have tested is their Ventus, which is stupid light. Crazy, crazy light, like a mid-layer jacket. Not even... It's 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 as light as a base-layer merino wool. Yeah. It weighs seven... It's like half the weight ounces. of a Klamath. Yeah, and... Um, I think my, yeah, it's, it's literally just insanely light and insanely warm, uh, so much so that it's, like, your and I's only criticism of it is if you're doing any activity at all, it gets too hot too quick, and you got to take it off. Yeah. Yeah, it has a, it's called, I just, just again, I'm just pulling off my phone, guys. It's called 3DFX insulation. Um, it's a certain type of insulation that basically has a shape like a coil, almost like a spring um, but this jacket is unbelievably light, as you said, really warm, seven ounces for a size medium. Oh, hold I've, on, we're driving my bighorn sheep on the side. Right? Yeah, right there. Oh, sure enough. Rams. Yeah. Sorry, guys, there's important things happening. Like, like five or six rams wow. right there. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so back to it. I've, I mean, I've used this piece a lot, not just for hunting, but hiking, trail running. And it, if you're active... Uh, it has to be cold. Like, this this thing is warm. If you could have this type of warmth with a touch more breathability, it would be an unbelievable piece. But, again, some of that's my experience using this in higher exertion efforts, like trail running, um, when it's, you know, not a mild hike. Like, I'm getting after it. So, um, it's it's a piece worth considering as well as that Ventus. Um, it amazes me. See, that video just came out last night where if people like spying what jacket you're wearing and sending in questions. <laughs> so kudos to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, we're bouncing all over the place. Recommendations for a base camp water filtration system. Oh. Man. The context here is a moose hunt. So this guy's saying he's used our suggestion of the Sawyer Squeeze, which he loves for backpacking but he doesn't want to use that type of filter when he's doing a base camp with several other guys. So for uh, a base camp water filter. Shaded in camp filter, right? Like, is it a gravity fed system? Yeah. Because I've used the Platypus Gravity Works, which is probably a similar concept. Maybe that's the same thing. Um, maybe I'm confusing them. Maybe we should have done some more, like, Yeah, it's hard to research. do this going 75 <laughs> down the state. Uh... Cated in B-free gravity filter? Is it the same B-free as the squeeze? Like, sim- similar filter element? Yeah, that's the one. Huh. So I haven't seen this one. I'll talk real quick. I haven't used the Platypus Gravity Works for a while, but have used it uh, pretty extensively, going back a few years. Um, I think the system I came with came with either three or, I think, four liter. You essentially have a dirty bag, filter, dry bag, like normal. Um worked very well for a base camp type setup just hang it let the filter do its work uh on the tubes there's kind of a quick clamp so you can turn the flow on or off which is nice uh, but for a base camp setup yeah some sort of gravity system works great um obviously you could look at a pump or something like that 
Um, I would also, this guy mentioned Moose Camp specifically, just make sure and talk to your guide or outfitter uh, just to understand the particulars of your context, where you'll be, you know, are you on a lake, are you filtering river water, is it glacial fed, like some of those differences in water sources could impact your decision, but in general, I'd say a larger gravity fed system. Yes, that Cadedin filter, I think they just renamed it to B-Free because it wasn't that, but it's like a 10 liter gravity filter. Uh, Dwayne had that on um, when Tyler and I went with him on that first doll sheep hunt in 2020, and it was, it's freaking awesome. I think it weighed like 10 ounces, 10 and a half ounces, fill that sucker up. And then it just hang, it just has a roll top. It's like basically a dry bag that you fill up with a roll top, and then you just hang it from a tree limb. And this has a like six foot tube coming out of the bottom of it with this little kind of clamp thing that just pinches the tube and stops the water from flowing. And yeah, immediately after that trip, I went and bought one, and I've used it. Uh, I do like this float trip every year for fishing, um, where you're just like a big group setting, lots of guys, and just filtering water, and then. If I was ever to go back to Alaska, um, like a drop camp moose hunt or caribou hunt, it's just fantastic. The, the flow rate's incredible, and it's a really cool filter. Is that just a filter element you can back flush then if you want to clean it over on um, a trip? Or? Yeah, I think it's like that. Well, it's kind of like the Be Free. Like you can just shake. Oh, the shake. Yeah. That's right, on the Be Free. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Well, there's a couple options, guys, to check out. Um, cruising through questions. Okay, this one's... Uh, kind of interesting this guy's basically asking about rifle accessories I'll, I'll read his whole context here he says i had a question about useful accessories for the rifle hunter i just bought my first rifle last year with some help from mark thanks for all the tika info then he says my main question is ammo storage i know you guys sell the insert for your hip belt pouches do those work well for you I've also seen some people use cartridge holders on their stock of the rifle, or maybe some kind of storage in a bino harness. I'm just trying to think through all this and not buy stuff that doesn't work well. The only other accessory I bought is a sling, Then he concludes by saying, what other inexpensive accessories would you suggest for the new rifle hunter? And then he says, I'm not at the bipod level yet. I thought this was kind of interesting, Steve, because as much as we've talked about rifles and gotten more and more serious about rifle hunting over the years, there's honestly very few accessories <laughs> that we use, really. Like, the setup is, is very simple. Um, let's start here. Ammo storage. He mentioned a few things. One is our cartridge insert, a stock pack, and a cartridge carrier in some form on a bino harness. So what's your go-to of those, or maybe a different option? Um, yeah, last year, let's see. I was just running, I think I could run four in the magazine, and then I would put, I could fit seven, and there's a, I was running that FHF Bino Harness, and I could fit seven in the front little zippered pocket of that. Uh, and I think I might have packed, like, a couple extra. So that, that gave me 11, and then I had maybe three bullets in my stash pocket inside the pack. Okay. Um, prior to that, I used the cartridge insert that we have. Um, but last year, I was running a prototype pack, and I didn't have a hip belt pouch mm-hmm. um, with it. So I was just putting them in that front pack of the FHF. And I, what I liked about that was it was just always with me. Like if 
you know, uh, good examples, the elk that we yep. shot that last year uh, that I missed and then you end up killing, um, where, you know, I did take the pack off uh, and it wasn't necessarily, it was kind of like down between my legs and then ended up rolling down the mountain, but... Uh, <laughs> it sailed. You know, but, uh, I guess, yeah, the bino harness is always on me. Like, I, yeah. in a stock, there's a... In our shooting position, there's definitely situations where I'm taking the pack off. Um, the bino harness was always with me, so I really liked that attachment. You have that little Velcro patch thing that carries, like, two rounds, right? Yes. Two or three? And that's slick, because they're right... I mean, you, you barely have to get out of the gun to grab a couple and put them yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, so I run on my rifle. Uh, they're made by Short Action Precision, uh, and it's just a two-round holder that, as you said... Basically, it comes with um, a hook and loop. So the loop portion is adhesive backed. You install that to your rifle stock in any location you would like. Uh, and then the hook portion is a small two-round holder. Um, the nice thing about that as well is if you wanted to, you could have multiple rifles set up and then just move your cartridge holder back and forth to which rifle you're using. Or they're fairly expensive. Just put one on each rifle. Um, but yeah, I run mine just forward of the action. Um, and so you can literally go from cycling the bolt and, eject, and ejecting a shell to then picking up a new one right off the side of the rifle. Um, again, that's only two rounds. So yeah, my approach is, you know, to have the gun loaded, uh, on most of my hunting rifles, that's either going to be three or four rounds in the gun, an additional two in that rifle holder from short or the cartridge holder from short action precision. So either have five or six essentially on the rifle, uh, and then more backups easily accessible. Usually another, call it three rounds, which at this point, dear Lord, I hope I'm not using all these, uh, and then some kind of emergency backups in the pack. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my go-to. I have run in the past, since you mentioned it, uh, stock pouches, like in cartridge carriers. Um, really the only reason I did that was back when I was shooting my Tika with a factory stock uh, before I upgraded to the Mesa Precision stock. I just really needed more height um, out of the cheek rest from the factory stock to be comfortable. And so I purchased a stock pack to give me a better cheek weld and cheek position. Um, I'm totally blinking on the name of that right now, but I'll add it to the show notes. Um, and then it had either internal or external uh, options, basically when you order it to carry additional cartridges. Um, so that's the only way I would personally consider uh, like a cartridge shell holder on the buttstock of the rifle is if you really needed it for um, a shooting position perspective. Uh, the cartridge insert in our hip belt pouch works great for sure. Uh, you can carry, I think there's eight, I think eight loops in there. And then if you're yeah, like, if you're running the bigger Magnum, sometimes you need to skip one in between. You can run like five. Yeah. Um, so depending on what cartridge you're using, I'd call it five to eight, um, right there at the Impel pouch, which is obviously very convenient. Other accessories. He mentioned the sling, uh, neither you or I, Steve, have really been using the sling much, um, for carry, um, we can drop in the show description as well some information on our rifle carrier and the quick access that it offers. There's a lot of preference here. Um, since we're talking about these topics and just came from Hunt Expo, 
FHF gear is coming out with a new rifle sling that can also integrate with a pack, not only ours, but others. So that'll be worth checking out. I think it's going to be released soon. And then they actually had some new uh, rifle cartridge carry options that will attach to their vinyl harness and some other things, which I don't think I'm supposed to talk about in too much detail, but those are coming, I believe I heard in March or April. Uh, so maybe keep an eye out for those. Uh, the only other thing, two other things that come to mind, this guy mentioned not being at the bipod level yet. Um, you know, if you're not running a bipod, just keep in mind front support could be your pack, or obviously we've talked pretty extensively about the Wiser Precision Quick Sticks. That's like just a, in my opinion, a no-brainer must-have. If you run trekking poles at all, get Quick Sticks. If you're not running trekking poles, get trekking poles and then get Quick Sticks. Um, and then just some sort of rear support uh, can be helpful as well. And that can be very much improvised. Uh, Steve, you pretty much put your tarp or bivy or something in a stuff sack, right? And use that mostly as your rear support. Yeah, with the bipod. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just did a modified. I took our lumbar pad fabric and made a stuff sack that's was kind of just perfectly sized. Size, so it had three different, you know, I could lay it like vertical, flat, or on its other side and have three different height adjustments. And I'd put my tarp or baby sack or extra socks, or I think on our Elcon, I filled, uh, filled it up with game bags, just whatever I could find uh, to stuff in there and give it some structure. That worked really, really well. Uh, and like you said, with the wiser quick sticks on the trekking poles and your backpack between those two, uh, you did that awesome video. Uh, that we did after our elk hunts um, that uh, shows you how to use those two. And really, you can... Uh, just those two tools right there are... Um, you can shoot at a lot of positions very accurately, get it set up very quickly. That's um, pretty... Yeah, I have plan zero plans to change that because it worked yeah. very, very well last year. Yeah. Um, let's see... There was questions on sidearms, and this one specifically was for Grizzly Bear Country, uh, and this guy was looking for recommendations for holsters to attach to his exo pack, or potentially a bino harness with a holster attached. Um, and then he said, I like the idea of the harness slash holster because I never take that thing off. Um, yeah. Great questions. We've talked before about ivory holsters, uh, which are just flat out the best holsters to work with a pack, uh, and especially with our K3 pack systems, and K2 for that matter. Um, so if you're looking for a pack-mounted holster, although you can pretty much attach any holster to our packs with our accessory webbing, uh, the ivory is definitely, definitely the way to go if you're looking for um, something more than mediocre uh, and definitely want something ideal. Um, he mentioned chest holsters. You know, I personally do tend to move uh, from a pack-mounted holster to a chest-mounted holster, specifically when in grizzly or brown bear country. Um, they're not my preferred choice. I hardly don't use them in the lower 48 because I don't hunt much brown bear country. Uh, but when we were on Kodiak, for example, I was running a chest holster. Uh, for me, that's going to be uh, an FHF bino harness and then Razco gear uh, makes a chest holder that mounts seamlessly with that FHF harness. Um, 
and it just is a great system. So it's one of those things where at first, you know, it's like, it's just, it feels like more bulk and everything else. But once you're really used to wearing it, you honestly forget it's there. Um, and no issues running the harness plus our pack plus that chest holster. Um, I did it again through that whole Kodiak trip for a week. Um, and no issues. So yeah, I prefer a pack holster outside of brown bear country in brown bear country. I do prefer a chest holster because as this guy mentioned, it's always on you. Um, and God forbid you drop your pack for something and then have some sort of encounter with the bear. And that could be breaking down an animal, for example. So that is the way to go. In my opinion for brown bear country, uh, would be to go off of the chest holster. Uh, Steve, you like to carry either no gun or a little lady's gun. Anything to add to that? <laughs> nope. Nope. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. All right. We were actually, again, speaking of Hunt Expo stuff, talking with uh, the guys from SIG, and they're coming out. Again, I'm not sharing details here, but this year we'll be coming out with a new 10 millimeter, uh, which I'm excited to try. And I've actually seen some sneak peeks from some other dudes that would be visiting with shortly, I'll put it that way, who've been involved with SIG with a 10 millimeter that's coming out. So um, it's cool to see more options coming out. Obviously, from a semi-auto perspective, Glock has dominated the 10 millimeter market um, for for the most part, for hunters who are looking to have that right mix of capacity, semi-auto performance, I would say relatively lightweight, but really all the 10 millimeters are heavy once you load them up. Um, but it's cool to see other options coming. So uh, I'm personally probably going to purchase one of those new SIGs when I see them come out. Maybe I have more to share in the future. Um, that's a wrap, Steve. We've been pretty much hiking every day before yeah. Hunt Expo. Plan to yeah. do more of it here in Portland. So looking forward to uh, before these long 10, 11 hour days on the expo floor indoors getting some fresh air so once again guys if you happen to be in the area coming to the show be sure to swing over and say hey we will be with born and raised uh workshop Vog, and some other companies all in that area so come check us out and once again in terms of the podcast if you have any questions for a future monday minute send an email to podcast at exomountgear.com and we'll talk to you soon